I'm Jeff Cohen. Aros Julius Sanchez has one of the most remarkable journeys to Jewish observance you'll ever hear. He was on the path to becoming a Christian missionary until he uncovered some information about his ancestors that completely changed his religious direction. He's here today to share all the details. Welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. And I've given a pretty interesting intro, so we're going to have to back that up with this interview. And let's take it right from the top and at least give us a sense of where you were born and raised, where your story starts. Yeah, no problem. So I was born and raised in Jamaica, Queens. And that's super exotic, but yeah, that's where it all starts. <laughs> okay. And what was your family practicing religiously as you were in the early years? So mainly it was the four of us. It was my mother, my stepfather, my brother, Aaron, Vera, and myself. It was the four of us. And we were Christians, but specifically we were Jehovah's Witnesses. And so what were some of the things you were doing within the home in terms of holidays and things you were celebrating? Like, what, what do you think our listeners would be familiar with that you were doing within the home? So the witness, they're very famous for knocking on doors, you know, going door to door, knocking, sure. preaching about the word of God, God's kingdom, uh, and, and messages like that. And also, they're also very known for not celebrating birthdays or a lot of the pagan holidays like Christmas or Easter, Halloween. The witnesses are also known for not voting and for not taking blood transfusions as well. So the audience, if they hear the word Jehovah's Witness, that's probably the first things that come into their head. Okay, so given the family that you were born into, did you always think that religion would be a, like a key part of your life as you were going through those early years? Oh, 100%, yes. My stepfather, who still is actually a Jehovah's Witness, and he raised me. So he was like the rabbi, the congregational rabbi, to, you know, to try to put a connection of the congregation. Also, he was very known in other communities, but, you know, for his ability to speak and, and his way of preaching. So he, he was kind of like famous and known in the community. And um, he raised my brother, Aaron, and me to be the, the, the same way. And my brother and I, since I can ever think back, we were always raised with thinking that there's only one God and we have to worship him, we have to love him, we have to serve him, and we have to study his word. Those feelings were always connected to me ever since I could remember. So did you think even from a young age that you were supposed to grow up and like professionally still be doing something in the religious world as opposed to having like what my people would consider like a secular job? Did you think religion was going to be the path for you? So yes. So what happened was that so in the witness community, you're allowed to go to college, you know, to get an education. But for the most part, if you are someone who goes to college to get a long degree, you're viewed as someone who doesn't really it's not that you don't love God, but your priorities are not straight because God's kingdom is coming soon. So what you should be doing instead is, yes, you should work, but you should prioritize and spend all your time preaching the word of God consistently. So I wanted to become uh, like, a, like a special missionary. You know, it's actually called like a special pioneer. That's the word they used to go, you know, and they could send you to other countries or maybe to another state to go preach and help certain communities and build up congregations and preach the word of God. And that's what I wanted to do. And the community was also known, you know, to, to speak well. I was able to, you know, convince a lot of people to to come to our side and and to not believe in the Trinity and just stuff like that that I've learned growing up and I have um, I think it's called the gift of, of the gab I think it's called <laughs> yes the gift of gab that's so that that's what people told me so I was like huh I want to worship God I want to serve Him this is the only way that I know that I can do it 
So when you said that you wanted to be a missionary, what age are you talking about where you had this picture of this is what I'm going to do for my life? I was probably in my teenage years. Definitely after I got baptized. I, I got baptized when I was like 13 years old. And I saw my brother and I, uh, we were probably like, like on the same path. He's a couple years younger than me. But we both had this in mind from our teenage years that once we're 18 or 19 or 20, in our early 20s, we're going to go preach the word of God maybe in a different country or in a different state. So yeah. Okay, so given where we are in the story, if I was a listener to this podcast right now, I'd be like, how in the world is this guy going to become an observant Jew? So before we get to that turning point in your life, did you have any exposure to Judaism or know anything about it in your early years? Given what you wanted to do and that you wanted to be a missionary and where you were headed, how much did you know about Judaism or have exposure to it? So I definitely did have some exposure to Judaism. My best friends in middle school and college were all Jews. And it wasn't like on purpose. It's just I connected with these Jewish people. And it was a mix of religious Jews, modern and like not religious Jews, but also as a Christian, you know, no matter what kind of denomination of Christian you are, you're always studying, not studying, but like reviewing or reading, at least on a superficial level, you're reading uh, Tanakh, you're reading the, the Torah, the Old Testament as they call it. So you're reviewing the stories. And of course, these stories are, are magnificent. There's so much to learn from them. So I was, I was consistently always reviewing them and I would also say the the people that I met and also before becoming an observant Jew or even Jewish at all, I actually went to two Pesach Seders uh, sneakily. I did do that. So I, I don't even think my mom and stepdad know that. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. But was it, was there anything going on in your, in your home? Because you and I were communicating before the interview that there were some connections to Judaism even going on in your home that you were experiencing? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So... I mean, at the time, I had no idea. I had no idea this was even connection to Judaism. But for example, there was a trip when I was 15. I took to Venezuela. That's where my mom is from. She was born there. And my grandma still lives there now. So one day, I, it was a Friday afternoon, and I saw my grandmother in the closet. She was cleaning the house. And when I opened up the closet, I started like lighting some candles inside of the closet. And I asked her, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I just do this. It's a tradition. But she never explained to me what it was. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Forget about it. Years later, I find out by reading books, and also my father-in-law is a hes a, historian, a Jewish historian, and this is his, his, his field. He told me that this is one of the many traditions that the Murano Jews practiced since the Spanish Inquisition t- till now. And thinking back when I was 15, I saw my grandma doing that. And one more thing I would say is my mother, around the time of Pesach, around the time of Passover, before, there were times, depending on the year, where I would see her cleaning like uh, the entire kitchen and, and, and stuff like that, like preparing. But on top of that, my mom never in the past, she never used to uh, mix meat and milk together. She never did. She said it was nasty. It was unhealthy. And she just wasn't raised to do that. And I had no idea why. But obviously now knowing some more about Judaism, I definitely understand why. So let me just back up for a second. You, you see your grandma lighting candles and there are these signs of what your mother is doing. They're both Jewish, but not telling you that? Correct. Yes, correct. This was just kept from you as a child? Correct. This conversation never came up until later on when I was like 19 years old. Never came up. I had no idea. I I didn't even know that even though I was quote unquote reading the Tanakh, right? I never knew that to be Jewish is through the mom. I had no idea. Never knew that. 
did your mother ever say to you that she had maybe converted away from Judaism? Like, how did she view herself, even though she wasn't talking about it with you? Did she see herself as Jewish or as something else? No, she never saw herself as Jewish, never, ever. She actually went to Catholic school when she was young in Venezuela. But my mom converted later on when she remarried to my stepfather. She converted into also being a Jehovah's Witness because my stepfather was. So then she learned and from there, even till now, they, they both are still Jehovah's Witnesses and they consider that themselves that. And even though I've brought up the whole Jewish ancestry thing to my mom, she does not see herself that way at all. Zero. Wow, this is so fascinating because we've interviewed so many people now and we've had secular Jews who became religious Jews and we've had non-Jews who converted to Judaism. I think you are our first person who viewed himself as a non-Jew and then maybe is finding out actually you are Jewish. So I can't wait to see how this story unfolds. So now take us into like the high school, college type years. You mentioned you were learning a little bit more as you approached 18 or 19, starting to think about that gift of forgab and what you're going to do for a living. So what's going on in that time period? So in high school, I, j- I actually went to a vocational and technical high school, uh, Thomas Edison, also in Jamaica, Queens. During those years, I was still a witness preaching, learning the New Testament, quote unquote, still learning the Old Testament. But when I got to college, I thought to myself, and I even I asked other elders, quote unquote, like the rabbis of the congregation, and my stepdad, I said, listen, I want to eventually become this preacher, this missionary, but I need to save some money and I, I need to work in something. So they gave me at the time, which I thought was good advice, I said, what should I do? And they told me, listen, get a short career, save some money, and then you can go and and take this skill with you anywhere. So I went to Kingsborough Community College, which is in Brooklyn, and I went into the physical therapist assistant program, which was only two years, plus a little bit of an undergrad. And the pay was decent. And I and in my head, I was like, I'll do this, and I'll just keep learning my stuff. And then once I'm ready, I'll go and preach. So then what happened was in the physical therapist assistant program, at the end, you had to do two clinicals where they send you to two places to go treat and to learn. In my second clinical, I applied to go to NYU to, so I can learn at that clinical. I didn't get accepted. So instead, they sent me to uh, an independent outpatient uh, rehab place. And later on, I found out it is the best outpatient place in Brooklyn, Rehab Associates of Brooklyn. I love them. They're amazing. I learned so much from them. And I started treating this from this religious Iranian kid. He was like 13. And I was treating him. And then one day his father comes in. Nice guy. We start talking. Out of nowhere, out of the blue, he asked me, I just got to ask you a question. He's like, are you Jewish or do you have any like Jewish family members? This was random. We were not even talking about religion or anything. He just asked me. And I said, you know something? I don't think so. Maybe from my mom's side. I think I heard something. But I'm, but I'm not sure at all. I, I can't say. So he told me very simply, so listen, tonight, call your mom, speak to her, and ask her. I just want to know. I said, okay, whatever. Uh, so we, we left. And that same night, I called my mother because I wasn't living with her, with her at, at the time anymore. I called her and said, la, la, la. Is it true that we're Jewish or do we have any Jewish ancestry or do you have any Jewish family? And she tells me, yes. <laughs> I'm like matter of factly like yes like yeah I'm like oh okay from where and she's like from my mom's side but I, we don't really know them and that's it and I asked her one question and then she hung up uh, I asked her why didn't you ever tell me this before and and I actually understand her answer she told me well listen you were raised you know as a Christian as a, as a Jehovah's Witness what's the point of me telling you that you're also Jewish or that you have Jewish ancestry you know they kind of contradict and th- there's no point you were raised in quote unquote the, the right way and that's what we taught you, and, and that's it. 
And that's when I found out. So after you hung up and had time to reflect, like how did you digest this information that you had just gotten from your mom? Well, at first, I thought it was just cool. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's great. So I guess I'm Jewish too. At first, I, it, it didn't really hit me so hard. I was just surprised. And then I just, and then everyone I was actually working with at the office, most of those people were also from Jews, actually. Uh, so I started telling everyone, and people didn't believe me at first, but then I started telling them a little bit. Later on in the journey, it became a problem, conscience-wise, and a lot of contradiction in my head, cognitive dissonance, and there was a lot of problems. But in the beginning, eh, I, I, I took it lightly, to be honest. Did you see that guy again that you mentioned who told you to go ask your mom? Did you ever have a follow-up conversation to say, it's pretty funny that you asked me to check in with my family because it turns out you're onto something? <laughs> yes, I did actually. I actually got to speak to him, I'm going to say more than five years later, before I got married to my wife, Eliza, before the wedding, the clinic where I met him, that same clinic hired me. Mark hired me, great guy. And he actually also helped me on my Yiddishkeit uh, path. A lot of people helped me on my Yiddishkeit path. They were very nice to me. But so he made a meeting with this same Iranian, you know, from guy. And him and his wife came. And he didn't recognize me at first because by then I had the beard and everything. And, and I was a little older. As, you know, it's more than five years. And we started talking. And I started telling him, listen, you asked me this question. And it got me on this entire journey. And look where I am. And then we... And then, to be honest, he a couple of things happened. He started crying because he just couldn't believe what, like what was happening. But he also told me that he remembered having that conversation with me, but he doesn't remember why he asked me that. He says something just pushed me to ask, and that's it. But he but he told me I have no idea why I did, and he's like I can't think of anything, and I'll probably never tell you why I did. It just happened. Little did he know he unleashed this whole change in the trajectory of your life unwillingly, right? 100% he did, yes, <laughs> in every way possible. So now we have these two conflicting pieces of your story. Like we have on the one hand, you have this whole plan mapped out for your career. You enjoy speaking. You want to be a missionary. And now you have this other piece of information about your background. And you just reference the fact that it's, it's going to come to a head a little bit. So what happens now when you have this information and you're considering what you're going to do with your career? How does this come together? I would say it happens, well, definitely after I graduate from the physical therapy assistant school. I, I passed it, graduated, passed my boards, then I started working. And the goal was, again, to save money and, you know, and to go become a preacher. But I would say like a year later, year and a half later, slowly, little by little, these pieces of information start to bother me. Because then what happens is that I start thinking, well, listen, I have some Jewish blood. People are acknowledging it. Maybe God put me on this path. This is what I told myself back then. God put me on this path so I can talk to these Jews, right? To all these nice Jews that I've met. And I could tell them that, you know, that Jesus is the Messiah ben David. He's the Mashiach ben David. I got to show them. You know, it's in the New Testament. It's in the Hebrew scriptures. I got to show them this is what I was raised to do. So I definitely have to do this. So initially that was my my thinking and I would go to my the elders that I used to go to back then to to prepare myself in order to speak to the Jews because you know everyone in the whole world knows that no matter if you hate Jews or if you love Jews everyone knows that you know the Jewish people are called uh, the people of the book they're smart they're intelligent so I, I told myself and the elders I got to get myself ready I got to preach them help me train me a little bit harder so that was initially what happened but things didn't go my way because then I started learning how wrong I was in everything that I was thinking. It's interesting you said that because 
the way you first described it was really eye-opening to me that you viewed this fact that you had a connection to Judaism to mean, well, I might have access to more Jews to show them that how I was raised is actually the answer. But then what you just alluded to is like over time you start to realize maybe you have it sort of backwards from how you want to live your life. Correct. That That's 100%. And when I started talking to a lot of from people here in Brooklyn, New York, which, you know, they call it the second holiest place in, in, the, <laughs> in, in the world, first Israel and now in, in Brooklyn, I started talking to a lot of, you know, rabbis, yeshiva boys, and I started talking to everyone as much as I could just about God and religion and stuff like that. And slowly, little by little, uh, you know, speaking to all types of Jews, they told me, you should start to really learn how to read Hebrew, you know, and when I would tell them things, they're like, well, that's not really what happened. That's not, let's go back to scripture. Let's go back to Tanakh and see what's really happening. And I started learning with them and also on my own, what was Torah really saying? What did the characters actually say? What's the message? What did the the Navi actually say? Or what didn't he say? Or what's the criteria? And all these things started coming together in a span of years and then there came a point where I told myself, wow, I really need to make a decision. I can't be doing both at the same time. So and are you talking to your family about this? Because they probably have a pretty clear picture of who they are and what they believe in. And you're starting to have these questions about where you're supposed to land. Are they part of the conversation and where you're going to be headed? Yes and no. So my father, who is one of my best friends, my father, John Sanchez, I love him, he... Also, when my mom and my dad got divorced and she remarried, my father also actually converted and became a witness as well. He did because he tried other forms of Christianity and he saw that this was like the best one. Right. So he was like, I'm going to do this, too. When I really got into Judaism, really started learning with the art scroll, with the with the Tanakh, with the going to Shiurim and all that stuff. And I really started learning the first person I actually started speaking to about Judaism and the things I was learning was my father. And my father is, uh, you know, he's very well read. He watches a lot of stuff. He's very open minded. So he also started actually learning scripture. He found fascinating what I was saying. And it was very, it, it was like against what, what he also learned. So he also started buying like the Chomish, the art scroll. And he started learning with me, but also on his own. And then he actually did the transition a lot quicker than I did. I would say a year and a half later, he left being a witness and he became a Noahide. And he still is a Noahide now. Wow. Um, and he still learns and stuff like that. But he was the first person I started to speak to. Then I kind of started throwing hints at my mom and my stepdad, and they did not like that at all. And, you know, slowly our relationship started to go down the drain from that point on. I'm sad to hear that because even when I interview, say, secular Jews who become religious Jews, you have that tension because you're telling the parents, like, you raised me a certain way, but I'm going to go down a different path. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll hear later in the story that you've patched that relationship up in some way. I don't know. And, I get, you know, we can hold on to that for a minute. Mm-hmm. But I want to go a little further now as you're starting to read these things and learn these things. Usually you need someone to come into your life who has, like, real knowledge about this, like a rabbi or, or someone who can guide you beyond just what you're seeing in bookstores or online to really help you, you know, get on the path and mentor you. So does someone like that come into your life at this point? Definitely. It was actually not one person. It was many people. Hashem blessed me with so much people to help me. But all these different people taught me different avenues, different perspectives of Judaism. So, for example, uh, my, well, at the time it was going to be my future wife, Aliza Shoshana, and then her father, who's my father-in-law now, uh, uh, Dr. Henry Abramson, who's also the Dean of Toro. And 
a lot of other different rabbis. It was basically a mix. I, I cannot say it was just one person. It was a mix of all these people that either took me to Shabbos meals. They invited me over for yontevs, right? They bought me books, art scroll books. I went to sh different shiurim for different rabbis. Ashkenaz rabbi, I went to Sephardi rabbis. On YouTube, I did everything. My father-in-law and my wife taught me how to read Hebrew. And Baruch Hashem, I can read Hebrew now. I mean, I have a little bit of a Spanish accent. People tell me when I read it, but <laughs> I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it was basically a mix of people. Yeah. So then how did you decide as you're getting exposed to all of these knowledgeable people that this was going to be your truth and this is what you wanted to follow? Like, you seem like someone who's always exploring and looking and trying to learn. You might have decided after you learned all this stuff, like, this is very helpful, but you know what? It's not right for me. So what's that point where you said, this is actually the life that I want to live? It was basically once I was able to finally understand the messianic criteria of what the Mashiach ben David is supposed to do, what he's supposed to do and not supposed to do, when I was able to see what does Tanakh really teach us about that versus the, the Christian perspective, once I truly understood it, from that point on, I was like, well, then everything else is com is going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Once I learned that, I was like, my path is going to be Judaism. Now, my, my next question is going to be, how do I slowly and without offending people, without hurting people, how do I leave the kingdom hall, but not in a bad taste? So then I, I had to slowly leave. And eventually I, I did leave. But that was the point. Once I understood that, I was like, okay, I did it. And now I have to become officially Jewish. How do I do that? And then there's a whole part to that as well. So, yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, because when I decided I wanted to become religious, there is no process. You can just go to an Orthodox shul and, oh, you're Jewish? Great. Start coming. Start coming more often. That's great to have you as part of the club. Your story sounds like it's sort of in between, because maybe you're Jewish, maybe you're not. Like, what, what do people believe when they learn about your background? So what happens to you when you made this decision? Like, where do you go to try to become, like, officially part of the club? So... Once I left already, I was gone. I was still learning. And then I meet Aliza, who's going to be my future wife. And I also met her parents actually very quickly. I met her parents like two months afterwards, right? And by the first month of me meeting her, I knew this was going to be serious. I, I was like, this is going to be the woman that I'm going to marry, 100%. Mm -hmm. What's her background? So she was born in New York, but she was her whole family, they were all raised in Florida, in Miami, her parents are both Canadian. Her father is about Shuva, and her mother converted from being a Catholic to Jewish. So Hashem put me in the right family because once her father and mother heard my story, first of all, I was able to connect to my mother-in-law very quickly, Elana Abramson, phenomenal woman, great. She's had a lot of patience with me. I, I, I'll tell you that. She's amazing. But basically, she understood where I was coming from Literally, I mean, even though she came from a different part of Christianity and my father-in-law and they both loved me from the beginning and they told me, listen, if you want to be part of the club and let's to make this official, we're going to go have to go speak to a bait then. We're going to have to go speak to a rabbinical court. And there's one, a kosher one, an Orthodox one here in Manhattan. And so that's where I went. I'm wondering why that was the advice they were giving you, because... Wasn't there a part of your story where you're saying, okay, maybe I didn't think I was Jewish, but then it comes out that my mother actually is, so maybe I don't have to go through a whole conversion. I can just, you know, be in. But it sounds like that's not the road that you took. So when I spoke to my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and to the rabbis, they said something similar, which is, first of all, 
the Spanish Inquisition messed up a lot of Jews because, you know, the whole forced conversions, Moranos and stuff like that. And my father-in-law knows this history much better th than I do. So what happened is that a lot of Hispanic people today come from Jewish lineage, but they don't know, right, because of what happened back then. The problem is, is that the question, as you just mentioned, are they Jewish or not? Because it's possible that maybe all the moms were all Jewish. But there's always the the fear. There's always the that maybe someone broke the lineage. But how do you trace that? It's very difficult. And even though I did my ancestry and I did my DNA, and from my mom's side, right, from her grandma, they all came from Spain and Portugal, exactly where the Spanish Inquisition happened. And I I got testimony from my mother and from my grandmother, and I saw some things, and I was able to trace my lineage from my mom's side and her mother, well, like one or two generations. It was Jewish, but I, I wasn't able to trace it all the way back. So then my, my in-laws and the rabbi said, listen, just in case, let's do something called a Gerus Mechumra. Let's be strict. Like, just in case, let's have you go through a conversion process. But at the mikvah, we won't say the bracha. We won't say it, but you still have to go through the conversion process. So that's what I did. And it took me about seven months. Okay, and the the woman that you mentioned that you were going to be marrying, you're, you're married at this point, or you're dating at this point, and you mentioned what the background was of her parents. She was raised religious, or the family was kind of like growing as she was being raised? No, no, the family was raised religious. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law, so she first converted conservative, but then my mother-in-law, like two months later, she's like, you know something, I want the real deal. This conservative <laughs> is not going to work for me. So they went to the rabbinical court, the Beit Din in, in, in Toronto, and they did the whole thing. So, But they were raised Orthodox the whole time. Okay, so then as you're having this conversion, I'd be thinking, wait a minute, I never had a bris or a bar mitzvah, right? Those weren't part of your childhood. So are you now saying I missed out on a few things and I have to make up for lost time? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I never actually got a bar mitzvah yet, but I did have to do a brit milah, and it was the whole thing, the whole brit milah. So I went, so a very famous rabbi, Rabbi Pesa Krohn, the famous rabbi in Queens, the the father, not the son-in-law, the father. I met him, told him my whole story, and there's only two hospitals in New York that will allow the rabbi to be in the surgical room. So I went to a hospital in Queens in Flushing, and it was the rabbi, uh, the surgeon was also a from guy, and the anesthesiologist was also a from guy. So th th all three of them were there. I got the Brit Mila, and I was in pain for three months. <laughs> Yikes. You're one of our months. few uh, guests who can remember their own bris, I guess. So yes. that makes you unique. <laughs> yes. So now just going back to your family, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, you were having these conversations with your own father, who seemed like fairly open-minded about the journey you were on. You mentioned there was like some tension with, you know, your mom's side. Now you're really all in, like you've done the conversion, the bris, like all this stuff. Are you looking towards repairing those relationships and trying to like bring them back into the fold now that you're getting married and going to have your own family? Uh, I'm still trying to do it. Uh, we're still not in the best terms, to be honest. It's been very difficult, especially once I got a lot more involved. My stepdad completely, you know, he like he blocked me. And my mom doesn't really answer my, my phone calls. She doesn't really speak to me as much. She doesn't really want, want to see me. But no, the goal is to definitely, you know, try to maintain something. And hopefully one day with Hashem's help and the right time, relationships can be fixed and we can be a family without, you know, arguing and stuff like that. Because I understand they have their own road, but I had to go down this road and hopefully they can, uh, we can build that in, in the near future. So, yeah. And what about with your sibling? So my brother, Aaron, he was also a witness, but he's actually not a witness anymore. 
And we actually have the same mother, but we have different fathers. Mm-hmm. So technically, that means he's also Jewish because we have the same mom. So ever since I got into Judaism, my brother, it's, it's interesting. Growing up, my brother and I, we weren't so close, to be honest. Uh, but now that we got older, we're much closer. We hang out a lot. We, we, we have a lot of deep conversations. And, you know, he, he comes with me to other people's homes for Shabbos, for Yom Tov, for uh, And, you know, he goes, you know, he likes to listen to some shurim and interviews. So he's slowly getting uh, uh, interested. And he actually just got accepted to go to Birthright. You know, Hashem works in fascinating ways. My brother Aaron applied once. Uh, he told him he, he told him his story, and they loved him, and, and they accepted him. And my brother's a fascinating, very intelligent man. So, slowly, let's see what what awaits for him in Israel and in in his future. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Does he know that you know people come back from that trip and like the spark is lit, and the next thing you know they're on a road to Orthodox Judaism? It doesn't happen to everyone, obviously, but is he aware of like what could happen? Is he open-minded to that being the road, given where his brother is? Uh, yeah, he, he is open-minded. He is. He has like a little bit of re- religious trauma based on his past and stuff, uh, but he is very excited and he does know a little bit that people come back different. So he's excited to see what he's going to see. And he's just fascinated how a Jew is a Jew, no matter if you're religious or not, or if you were born in Israel or not, that, that just fascinates him. And Israel fascinates him as a, as, as a country and as a history. So yeah. Okay, and so going back to your story, where did you and your wife get married or choose to settle? So we actually got married on January 12, 2020. We actually got married two months before COVID, actually. Right. So we so just... Had a normal party. Normal party. We had 200 people at the wedding. Uh, we got married in Long Island, and now we live here in Brooklyn, New York for now. You say for now because you have bigger plans? Like, where do you want to go? Yeah, we, we definitely would like to check out other communities in the country, maybe Colorado or Washington or Seattle or, or maybe some other place, and just continue to grow our Yiddishkeit in her own way and definitely in my own way with my videos and my podcast and stuff like that. Okay, so you just gave us a lead into the videos and the podcast, so that's a good way for me to ask you, what are some of the things you're doing, I guess, to spread the word of what you're passionate about? Because you've mentioned this gift of gab a, a few times, and I can see it over the course of the interview. You have a nice articulate way of sharing your story. So it seems like you figured out a different way to package that up related to Judaism as opposed to what you thought you were going to be as a missionary. Ay, gracias, mi amigo. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, ever since I, I really started to learn about Judaism, I realized, and I mean, like, I don't just mean superficial, but like really sit down with the with the commentators, the Meforshim, and learning the Hebrew. I realized how the other half of the world, because half the world is monotheistic, you know, quote unquote, right? So, you know... Christianity is the second largest religion in the world, how so many of them, it's not really their fault, but they view Tanakh in such a wrong way and what the Messiah is supposed to do and what is God and is there a trinity, just all these things, so many misconceptions and misunderstandings. And, you know, Hashem just put me on this on this derech, on this path where I was learning so much and I wanted to share this. And I think after a while, my wife got tired of me talking about, you know, about <laughs> about uh, about the Messiah and Jesus and the, and just all this stuff and the misconceptions that Christians sadly have. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna. My wife gave me a good idea. She's like, maybe you should do a podcast or do some videos. So I started to do videos on TikTok. Now I have a podcast. It's in Spanish, but soon it's gonna be in English, and I'm gonna be on YouTube soon. But I basically whatever I'm learning on a daily basis or weekly basis. 
I figure out ways to tie it into Christianity and the misconceptions and misunderstandings that they have based on different passages. And I go into depth with all types of evidence to, to show what does Tanakh really say? What does Hashem really want from us? And what does Hashem really want from you in the perspective of a Jew or in the perspective of a non-Jew and, and so forth? And so what's the easiest way for our listeners to check out your material? Where can they find you online? So on TikTok, it's uh, investigating underscore the underscore Bible. So it's basically investigating the Bible with two underscores. I do English and Spanish content there. My podcast is in Spanish for now. Very soon there'll also be English there. It's called Investigando la Biblia. Uh, in Spanish. I think we can figure out what that means in English. Yeah. <laughs> and in YouTube, it's going to be also English and Spanish. It's also called Investigating the Bible. The channel's already up there, but I haven't started uploading videos. I'm in the editing process. And the point is just to put as much content as I can because th- I truly love talking about Tanakh. My goal eventually is to become a Tanakh master and to teach all types of, of people, you know, Jews who are not so religious and who don't know so much, Noahides and even Christians, what does Tanakh really, what is it really saying, you know, and, and the Nevi'im, the Ketuvim, and the Torah and so forth. So, yeah. You just gave me the perfect lead into the last question I always ask before the lightning round, which is if I'm interviewing you, say, five, ten years from now, what's going to be true about you? What are the things that are on your bucket list that you're going to be going after with your wife? So you, you just mentioned kind of one of them that you want to become this like Tanakh master. What else is on your list? finish my doctorate of physical therapy, which I'm in school right now, my second year. So finishing getting my doctorate, become a Tanakh master, start to have my own family with my amazing wife, Eliza, and also do some traveling, traveling of public speaking of this Tanakh series that I want to do online, but also in person. I've done a little bit already in person, and it's definitely a different dynamic to do it in person versus online. It's just worlds apart and I understand why a lot of rabbis do seminars or do things live because you get to connect with people at a much deeper level. Something tells me with a growth oriented guy like you that all this stuff's going to come true. So I look forward to seeing how your story unfolds. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So let's go into our lightning round to close out the interview. I have a couple super fast questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, Okay, go. All right. So you mentioned physical therapy. What do you think is the type of injury that someone like you is most helpful for? I would say if they had like low back pain or headaches or they just had a, a, a surgery, maybe a knee replacement or ACL surgery, I'm your guy. All right. Question number two, you mentioned the Venezuelan roots. So is there some kind of Venezuelan dish that's found its way to your Shabbos table or something that you even prepare during the week? If I had to say, yes, arepa is a very common dish in Venezuela. And my wife, Lisa makes it, not for Shabbos, but she has made it for weekday nights, and it comes out amazing. So for our listeners who are not familiar with that dish, can you share a little bit more detail about it? It's a South American dish, specifically in the north of South America. So like countries like Colombia, Venezuela, they're known to have arepas, and there's there's like a whole debate with which country makes it better. In Venezuela, the main ingredient is uh, ground maize dough, but you could put anything in it. You could put chicken, you could put um, beans, you could put cheese. I mean, of course, if you're Jewish, you're, you're not going to mix them together. But uh, <laughs> literally, you could put anything in it, and it tastes amazing. Eggs, scrambled eggs, anything. So, yeah. All right. And you mentioned this love of travel, even from the earliest questions I asked you in the interview. So where are the two or three places you'd want to start your tour when you become a Tanakh master and you start speaking around the world? I would definitely say either Hispanic countries, Ecuador, Venezuela, Argentina, or states that have a, that have a huge 
Hispanic population that speak English and Spanish. I can hit both at the same time. Maybe like New York, which I currently live in, Texas, Florida, or California. All right. So you were out of the lightning round. And I have to ask, because you have such a beautiful way of saying your name, I want to hear you say your full name one time for listeners. It came out so beautifully. So my secular name on my birth certificate is Aurus Julia Sanchez. My Hebrew name is Amiel Shimon. And I always go by both names in my videos and stuff. But I specifically go by my secular name a lot, a little bit more is because I want people that when they watch my stuff or they meet me in person, they see me with the keeper and stuff. They're like, this Hispanic guy, Sanchez, he's, he's a Jew. Like, what, <laughs> like, what's the story there? I want people to ask me because most people that I deal with, they're more open to hear about Judaism or not hate Jews as much if they see someone who's a minority, someone who's black or Hispanic. They're like, oh, I guess not all Jews are white. Okay, so let me right. hear what, what this guy has to say about Judaism. So, yeah. Aris, it has been a real pleasure interviewing you. Your story is inspirational. I want to thank you for joining me on Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit tachlismedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at tachlismedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.